so what happens is a cooking stove releases a lot of smoke when wood coal or kerosene is used as fuel to fire it now you do not find men cooking at home you find women cooking at home and which is which is like which is a taken in indian societies and in indian cultures and so women are cooking good food for you and they are also facing health hazards at the same time hi and welcome everyone this is the third episode in our water month where we only focus on the nexus of gender climate change and water for one whole month so stay tuned for this episode because in this episode we're talking about entrepreneurship startups and impact oriented businesses please make sure to hit the bell to not miss any episode write this podcast on spotify if you like it and share it with your friends because we need all hands on deck in order to overcome the crisis over time my guest today is apimanyu rati Abhimanyu is a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of SLII, a water purification and renewable energy startup. Plus, Abhimanyu works as a startup builder at Build3, which is a startup studio that builds impact-oriented startups and he has experience in the education, livelihoods and healthcare spaces. By training, Abhimanyu is a chemical engineer and he is a very dear friend of mine. Hi, Happy Manu. I'm so happy to have you here today. Likewise, completely likewise. Inspired by your work, inspired to be happy and associated with you, and I'm excited for this. So, Happy Manu, the thing is, I know you pretty well by now, but most of the listeners obviously don't. So, I would please ask you to give us a little introduction of who you are and, well, ask you where are you right now and where did you actually grow up? Sure. So right now I'm in the exclusive Indian state of Goa, surrounded by mountains and beaches, working with the Build3 team to scale impact startups. I grew up in the land of Mahatma Gandhi, which is the western state of India called Gujarat, in the cities of Ahmedabad and Surat. So like you have correctly pointed out, I am a chemical engineer by education, and I have been a serial entrepreneur. So my first startup came at the early age of 15. I worked in the tech space first, followed by working with people in the livelihood space. Uh, also ran a couple of non non profits in the healthcare space. And since the last seven or eight years, I've been focusing my energies on frugal innovation, primarily water. So we are building we are building water purification devices for people who do not have the means or means to access it. So yeah, that's my work. And I mean water. We, we already know that water is a very important good, um, but well, I have so many questions. Why would you say that water is the most important thing? Um, why are you that passionate about water? And yeah, how, how is the whole story behind that? Um, you just mentioned um, to support people who, haven't, who have not the access to that good, but maybe there is something else driving you. Yeah, so well, very early in my life, I understood one simple fact that is, water affects us all, irrespective of our age, gender, or location. And the current situation is very alarming. I've traveled deep into India from metros to villages. I have met people belonging to various geographies and socioeconomic status. And scarcity of water is affecting everyone in its unique ways. Also, let's talk some data here. According to WaterAid, 1 billion Indians are living in water-scarce areas. That's 1.3 times the population of entire Europe. A couple of years ago, Niti Aayog, which is a government of India's EPIC's public policy think tank, reported that 
75% of Indian households do not have pipe drinking water supply on premise. And of the remaining 25%, 70% receive contaminated water. And although the government is trying its best to make sure houses receive water, the purity of water is not being addressed. The non-pipe sources of water like wells, ponds, rivers are full of life-threatening contamination. Again, as per government data tabled in the Indian Parliament, seven Indians are killed and 36,000 Indians suffer from one other waterborne disease every single day. The water problem is greater than COVID-19. Now, it is not that people are not aware of the dangers of contaminated water because the problem itself is so large, but unfortunately, they do not have viable alternatives. The go-to method of filtering water in India is reverse osmosis, which is which is the same throughout the developing nations, but it is expensive, discards at least three liters of water for every liter purified, whereas boiling water requires fuel, which has a massive carbon footprint, making it unsustainable for our climate. Impure water is inducing inequalities and poverty, thereby pushing human development back. It's the question of survival that I'm passionate about solving. People are dying and Practically, there's, there's nobody doing anything about it. So that's what I'm passionate about. So. To solve people's lives, basically. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's very, very good that you put the... Well, I love the sentence that water that the water problem is greater than COVID-19. And um, I mean, me sitting here in Europe, we, we, have, we have had a very huge... COVID-19 problem and I've always heard that the COVID-19 problem in India might be even worse and um, especially in, in the very rural areas where people don't have access to vaccines and, and all that stuff so I I am um, like my heart is like ah <laughs> I don't know how to say that oh, yeah. but 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 the COVID-19 problem is already huge and then comparing it with 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 water with the water problem we're having when we're going through that's obviously even even worse than that made it very well very tangible um i mean you are a serial entrepreneur and you are working on water purification with slii um which role does water play in your business i mean you are basically focusing especially on water you're trying to solve people's lives by providing them with pure water um how did you come up with the idea and what role does water play in your in your businesses not just in slii but talking about your the many businesses you have you have <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's like water is a very integral part of my life now i would say water is my first love i'm so <laughs> passionate about solving the water problem being with water so yeah, it was while I was an undergrad engineering student that I started working on finding sustainable and affordable ways to purify water in a decentralized manner. I knew the water problem needs to be solved in a decentralized way because when you're solving a problem in a centralized way, the impact is limited. But when you do it in a decentralized manner, mm -hmm. you get more people involved into the solutions that you are building. Mm -hmm. And this I'm talking about way back in 2012 when I decided that, okay, I have to focus on water. That's back 10 it was years quite, ago. Yeah, 10 years, yes. <laughs> it was quite clear to me that the existing solutions to water purification are neither economically 
nor environmentally sustainable. Water purifiers available in the market are expensive, waste a lot of water, require electricity, constant maintenance, and change of parts. And when there is so much involved, it is out of it, like rural people, people living in off-grid communities, people who cannot afford it. It is out of their means to use such kind of water purifiers. So I invented, I built a system that wastes no water, requires no membranes or replacements for up to 10 years, works on gravity and works on waste converted into solar panels and is exceptionally affordable, providing purely, completely clean drinking water. So it took me seven to eight years to build the system. And in 2019, a research firm led by me called Sustainable Livelihood Initiative India, SLI, was born. Where we are not just focusing on water, but we are also focusing on all 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. So we are building frugal innovations to address all of those 17 goals. And to increase our technology's impact, we are now licensing our technology with the hope to reach markets beyond India. Uh, also at Build3, which is a startup studio based at Goa, we are inviting water solutions-based startups to come and work with us. We not just help startups with seed investments, but also help them scale up the venture from idea to market adoption and success. And over here, I can work as a mentor with these water startups to make sure our impact of accelerating and solving the solutions is is far more far, far more beyond than just working on one solution. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And the water purification. I mean, it took you obviously. A lot of time to build that. Um, how is it? Can it be like, can people from especially rural areas access it or can they build it themselves or is it very expensive? Um, I mean, you, your goal, your vision is to save lives from people. And I think especially in the areas where people don't have access to, to the, to the good. Um, how is it for, for these people to access the water purification system? Amazing, amazing. So uh, what we are doing right now is we are creating this water purifiers in the form of DIY kits. That is do-it-yourself kits. We just sell the, we provide the people with different components and we ask people to be involved in the process of creating the system. Mm -hmm. Now what this does is, one, it, it makes it easier, the logistics become very easier for us. Mm -hmm. So instead of sending the entire system, we just have to send the parts. But most importantly, we are involving people into building the system. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you create a behavioral change because people understand why water is important for them. What are the parts that go into building a water purifier? So we are doing this. Secondly, the price is damn affordable. So the, the price is the top price of the top model is equivalent to an entry level price of our own machine. So it's extremely affordable. Thirdly, we are also partnering with rural banks and self-help groups to provide loans on this water purifier. So one water purifier right now is just $100. But if you cannot, cannot afford that $100, you just have to give $10 on a monthly basis for one year. So this option is also available to you. Extremely affordable, easy to use, make it yourself. That's the mantra. That's amazing. And, and I also like the the if you can't afford the hundred pay the hundred dollars at once just pay in rates just pay in ten ten dollars per month um yeah that's good and which water do you put in there is it rainwater is it water from rivers uh, which water is to be purified 
any kind of water resource that you have access to. So river water, rain water, pond water. What it is not good for right now is sea water. So it's not a de demineralization unit, but any kind of contaminated water, it will easily process it for you. So we are also working on increasing its its efficiency and one day up you will reach the sea level, sea water level as well. But yeah, river water, pond water and rain water right now. And that might be a very personal question or a sensitive question how work does the purification process work because i know systems where water goes through sand and stones and whatever but i don't know if the water is that pure in the end to to be drinking water how does your purification system then work uh, you actually answered half my question. So in the process where, in the process where uh, sand is used to purify water, we are replacing the sand with a compound called graphene. Mm -hmm. Now your USP lies because graphene right now is a very expensive compound, but our USP lies in reducing the cost of compound graphene compound for water purification by thousand x. So we are making graphene very affordable for people mm -hmm. and we are putting graphene into a bucket mm -hmm. and through graphene. So graphene has high cytotoxicity, which is removal of bacteria. It has very high adsorption capacity that is removal of heavy salts. So when water flows through graphene, you, uh, you get purified water within five seconds. I told you, I am a huge fan of SLI and what you do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, because you get people who have access to to the very crucial good that you have to have access to. And well, now coming to the question, why are you that passionate about water? Um, I mean, we already know that, that you want to solve people's lives, but I know that you are very, very a huge um, defender of gender equality as well. And I would like to talk now about the connection that you see between the topics of climate change and gender inequality and especially focus on on India and yeah because like like give us a little outline of of what you think about these topics about water fetching and uh, fetching firewood and all that topics and also please involve your emotions because I know that is a very emotional topic for to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So there are various ways in which I have personally experienced the connection between climate and gender upfront. Uh, my experiences have been inspired by my traveling or they are more anecdotal in nature arising out of my interaction with people and subsequent observations, especially in India. So to me, it is very visible that climate change affects women a lot, a lot more than it does to men. Women in my part of the world at least are perceived to belong to the softer gender and are the ones who more or less manage homes and take care of the children while men are the ones who are supposed to go out for work. Uh, in most of the cases, this demarcation of labor is not out of choice people make, but is a direct reflection of a deeply rooted cultural system in which the larger framework of our society tends to function. So even if you take examples of India, there are locations like Kutch, Rajasthan, where women till today, till this day walk several kilometers to fetch water and we are talking about 2022 now because that's what they're supposed to do that's like that's they have they've made it so part of their life they they don't realize that this is not something this is something that we fight against they're like okay this is what we have seen our mothers done this is what they have seen their mothers done. so it's very easy for them to do this so 
Access to water is something which is creating this div this this division between men and women, this division between gender a lot. And I always say that water is a silent. Uh, like water is one of the things which is vastly affected by climate change. But when you talk about climate change, you do not address the problem of water. Water is often ignored in the talks about climate change. You just talk about carbon. You talk about decarbonization. But water scarcity is right there in front of you. You have to address it, you have to solve it, you have to either generate water and you have to purify the water you have. But unfortunately, that is not happening globally. Secondly, as women spend most of their time doing household chores, uh, they, are, they, are, they are the least trained to face any negative consequences arising out of climate change, including disasters. On the other hand, unfortunately, women are the first to face any real danger. Because they are the ones at home, they are the ones who are taking care of children. And this puts them in a very vulnerable situation. I have experienced this firsthand during Gujarat earthquake of 2001, which was the second greatest earthquake in the history of India. And again, I experienced it in the Surat floods of 2006. And the worst affected, if you see the number of deaths, if you see the number of uh, number of diseases that happened out of after the disaster, it is the woman. So why are we putting them in a situation where we we should be addressing the addressing the problems rather than putting in putting them in such a situation? Unfortunately, it has not happened. Uh, even on health parameters, I have been running this ho hospital where we provide completely free of all healthcare services to anybody who walks in. Even medicines are provided for, for free, and we see the data that seventy percent of the uh, of the people who are affected by a natural calamity are women. Women suffer more than men. I also, you I, I personally worked on some designs for reinvesting the cooking stove, which is called a chula in India. So what happens is a cooking stove releases a lot of smoke when wood, coal, or kerosene is used as fuel to fire it. Now you do not find men cooking at home. You find women cooking at home, and which is which is like which is a taken in Indian societies and Indian cultures. And so women are cooking good food for you, and they're also facing health hazards at the same time. Why? Why is this happening? I, I don't. I completely don't understand why. So, due to climate change, increasing fuel prices, the quality of fuel is degrading day by day. There is more ash content in the coal. Uh, there is lower quality of fuel that we are providing to women. This this fuel is being fed into the chulas, and they are burning. They are inhaling more ash through this process. So, everything needs to change. Our culture needs to change. Our infrastructure needs to change. And only and only then can we can we solve this gender climate problem. Yeah. And you are at the forefront changing it. <laughs> Trying to <laughs> Trying to at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I highly congratulate you on that and thank you for 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 being that active with your companies and the hospital and both free and impact startups and whatever because I think like we're, we're at the same line there that the economy is the one uh, being as well at the forefront and in charge of changing it and and yeah providing people with climate friendly and gender equal solutions <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. actually the kind of matrix that you use to measure financial health also need a change we talk about GDP, we talk about per capita income, we talk about how the nations are performing. We do not, we do not normally talk about per capita happiness. 
So I was very inspired by Bhutan, how they measure happiness for their people. Absolutely. This is not happening on a, on a, on a global scale. So you might have 5 to 10% of population providing 90 to 95% of the financial resources. But what about the remaining 90% of the nation? How are they feeling? How are they feeling physically? How are they feeling emotionally? What is the kind of development they are happening? All of these matrices need to change. And some kind of effort was done into providing some groundwork on social metrics. So we had the Millennium Development Goals. And once they failed, it was easy to replace them with Sustainable Development Goals. And I'm pretty sure Sustainable Development Goals will be replaced by something like Next Generation Goals or something. So if you can so easily replace or impact metrics, then why create them in the first place? So yeah, all of those measures need to change. I agree. I absolutely agree. I've been I've been nodding all the time. You can't see it, but I've been nodding all the time and be like, yes, yes, you're so right. You're so right. Happy menu. Uh, yeah, well, one day, hopefully we'll be in a different world to live in and yeah, having a gender equal climate friendly world and economy and politics and whatever. Yeah, as we know, everything is interconnected. So, but I think it will take some time. Yeah, but before we leave this world, we are going to repair it. That's that's my. Before I quit this world, I'm gonna repair this one. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. the age of 130 is enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, Abhiman, you were already coming to our last question for today. Um, okay. I would like to ask you because you, I mean, you're doing fantastic work, but but. I mean, what recommendations would you give others, companies, the politicians, um, like what to do to break the nexus between gender and climate? Sure, sure. So like one of the things that I said that from my experiences, it is very clear to me that the socioeconomic status of women needs to urgently change globally. Women need to be trained more on climate adaptation and mitigation. And their work needs to be categorized and supported by organized labor laws in the relevant countries. Women need to have better access to quality education, healthcare, financial resources. And this is a no-brainer. This is a basic thing which needs to be done. Secondly, the participation of women in STEM and related climate uh, challenges is very low right now. Again, taking India as example, women constitute only 14 to 15% of the total 3 lakh scientists and engineers and technological experts in R&D sector that we have right now working on climate change. So 14-15% is a very low number. Poor women need to be encouraged to join STEM roles, be centers of change. It is only by centering women as crucial actors of fighting climate change can we resolve this crisis sooner. Thirdly, we need to promote women leadership in subjects around climate change and conflict resolution and reduce barriers to inclusion. And when I say barriers to inclusion, I mean uh, this includes legal barriers to representation, barriers or land ownership or tenure, or just cultural barriers which restrict female participation. So all of these need to be removed urgently. And finally, a drastic policy level changes are needed at the highest places. We need international bodies to link the monitoring and finances of development needs to not just women representation, but also to the depth of how these problems are being resolved. And we need to track how, how much of a change has this made to the life of women, not just on a development on a broad scale of the project, but going deep down inside, talking to women, taking out data from them from their day-to-day -day activities, 
what has a development project actually meant for them this needs mm-hmm. to be monitored with more detail so these are these are some of my recommendations mm-hmm. yeah yeah thank you for for making them so clear and for yeah like lining them out in a very very nice and understandable way yeah apimanyu i thank you so so much for this interview for our very very nice talk and um yeah i, I love talking to you and i would love talking to you again next time when we see each other <laughs> and i hope you, you inspired all our listeners in the same fantastic way that you did inspire me and um i highly recommend everybody following apimanyu um on his on his activities and um yeah i thank you so so much Thank you so much for inviting me for this podcast today. It's always fun to talk to you. It's always inspiring to talk to you. I'm so happy to have had this conversation today. Uh, I hope I, I I earnestly hope more people join this this mission of creating this world a better place in whatever capacity they can. Water, poverty, education, women-centric efforts, skill development. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be changed. There's a lot of change that we can create, and there's a lot of change. that can only happen when communities come together when people come together so seriously what yeah. can happen when we join forces exactly